Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am Uno of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Dos of your hosts, Corwin Heller. Two-thirds <laughs> of this podcast. You're two, you're two of the, uh, sure. Whatever. Yeah. I'll let it I'll let I'll allow it. Um two two thirds of the height. Corwin's two thirds of the height of this podcast. That's um, only half joke. It, it really is because anytime I have to describe you to um, like family that I've mentioned them mentioned to them about you, I describe you as you know the tall guy. Tall guy. My friend, my friend Corwin. You know he's very tall, like too tall, very thin. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it's very it, thin. It, yep. It's true. Yeah, hugging you is like hugging a support beam. Hugging you is hugging yourself. And then constricting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're 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 like the wind. But anyway, uh, baseball still locked out. Still, still locked out. Still nothing, nothing going on. I have not heard any developments. Have you heard any developments? No. Yeah. No. Uh, but while there aren't any major league developments, the um, rule five draft happened. I'm not going to say anything about the players because I don't know the players. Uh, I'm not a minor league guy like that. Um, and the truth of the matter is when it comes to, especially to the rule five draft, these aren't highly touted prospects. It's not big names that get moved and it's, it's much more useful of a tool or a piece of trivia in retrospect than it is as any type of indicator going forward. So, uh, it happened. Sure. Neat. Uh, kudos. Ooh, although there was actually an interesting fact I did not know about uh, the Rule 5 draft that I'm wondering if you knew, because it's kind of fucked up. In the minor league baseball Rule 5 draft, one team pays another $24,500 to transfer control of a minor league player. The player receives no compensation, even though the transfer fee is nearly twice his annual salary. So slave trading. This is slave trading. You you know, I've been struggling to think of what conceivable fucking reality this makes sense because it's not a trade. It's, it's a draft. And the idea of it is that you have the opportunity to put this player on your 40 man roster to give them an opportunity to advance, or you just don't care about them enough to do that slash have better prospects. So another team takes them to give them that chance. Why would money be involved? And enough money that if they just slave trade, if they just gave that money to the guy who got traded, he'd, almost be at most of a livable wage. Uh, why? I don't have an answer for you. I just don't. I really don't. <laughs> it's just fuck. It's just fucking pants on head. Stupid. It is is pants oh, on head. Jesus stupid. Christ. The most severe can- type of stupid pants on head. Stupid. Can we start calling Rob Manfred a slave trader? Or whatever, uh, like the guy who runs that auction is. I guess that'd just be an auctioneer, wouldn't it? 
I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't quite have the same burn to it. Yeah. Well, gotta love the mess. Gotta love the mess. Um, yeah. So again, it's a weird. It's a weird moral gray area for sports teams where, you know, employees don't have an any option of where they play when they come in and don't have any sort of determination. Like because the union negotiates these deals for them, they just don't have a say for how much they're compensated or where they work. And it's like the only time that's ever possible in the public sector, but it is what it is. Right. And you know, that's one of the, we don't have to go down the whole rabbit hole, but that that's one of the points as to why it, it's, it's not, a fair representative system because the only the only alternative you have if you uh, get drafted by the Cardinals and you get stuck in the minors forever, um, your only option is to hopefully get picked in the Rule Five draft if you're not on the forty man, or quit baseball. It's not like you can be I like I am unhappy with my wage in my industry and I am going to go to a competitor for more money. That's not really an option as long as you are under um, team control, which is extensive. Team control is very, very fucking extensive. Your only option is for them to decide your fate for you. There's no agency in being a minor league player, really. And that's something that you and I, Corwin, as people in the working force, could absolutely do. I did that two years ago and left my company for another company to make more money. It's what most people do at some point. And yeah, it's what most people do at some point in their career. They go, this job, this job sucks. And the compensation does not measure up to how much it fucking sucks. I'm going to leave for a different company where my skills are, are, are readily translatable or whatever and make more money. And if you're a minor leaguer, you can't just go like, man, playing for the Phillies blows. I'm going to go see. If the Dodgers have any openings in their farm system, not how it works, not how you can't you can't peruse on uh, like LinkedIn or Indeed for minor league baseball job openings. And they're not there. Hint. They're not they're not there. (laughs) Oh, God. But anyway, anyway, Uh, there was a, a bit of major league ish news uh i don't know maybe it was last week early this week who really gives a shit clint frazier is going to be a cub and this is like a non story because uh clint frazier barely exists and it's not really like his fault per se uh because how can it be your fault if you suffer symptoms from a severe concussion doesn't seem like your responsibility um that seems like a medical condition (laughs) we don't often get to choose those so not often, every not once often. in a while. Yeah, every, every 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 now and then, you know, you know, God will speak down and be like, "What uh, what do you want?" Um, but <laughs> not 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 this time, folks. Not this time. And again, it, he didn't have a horrible amount of success in New York, a lot, largely due to inconsistent playing time, which the Yankees decide, not him. And uh, being injured, which God decides and not him, or in this case, probably like that concrete wall in spring training decided. <laughs> but Yankees fans are upset, some of them anyway, and are, are, are saying that he doesn't, he didn't deserve to play in New York. And man, that's a wild train of thought. 
it like what can you say why are you people like this i i don't fucking get it and also like Let's leave all the injury shit to the side. Let's just say he was bad to mediocre here, and that's why people are throwing a bitch fit. Um, who cares? Like, because everyone's upset that he's happy he's out of uh, the the Yankees franchise. Yeah, wouldn't you also be happy if you left a job where you weren't performing up to your own standards? Like, imagine you went to work every day, and for whatever reason, doesn't matter what reason. You just sucked. Like, you just sucked. And you knew you could be better than this. You're a professional. I've done better at other jobs in the past. Why is this job just not working out? You know what? I'm going to go to a different company. Why would anybody be upset about that's fucking normal as shit? Yeah. Usually it's followed by congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Good luck. Really lame cake in the break room. Yeah. Not you're a piece of shit. You suck. You're the worst ever. Like go to hell. Fuck you. Like okay. that's all. That's all well and good when you're talking about a competitor. Like if you're talking about um uh fucking fucking uh Garrett Whitlock. I don't know why I picked him. Who else is on the Red Sox? Rafael Devers. Uh, yeah. And the Yankees fans were giving him shit. Like f- fuck you. You're the worst. Um, you suck at baseball, all things that are obviously not true. And so they have an inherent level of tongue in cheek because they're obviously not true. And like it's based the normal, on the rivalry, the normal shit talk you have with any sports team. Like, yeah. oh, Lamar Jackson fucking sucks. You suck. It's like, no, Lamar Jackson is 25 and has an MVP award. He clearly is very good at football. I'm just an upset fan. That's how it works for every team that exists. Right, right. But it's like, you know, if a player leaves your organization and is happy about it, that doesn't mean your organization is inherently like the worst. You, Why can't you just be like, ah, oh, must not have liked it here. Yeah. Oh, well, didn't you get ever any got playing a place time, wasn't doing anything enjoy? for us, wasting a roster spot for us, or whatever. It's like, oh, well, it didn't work out. Who cares? You're, if he's so bad, clearly you can't be upset that he's gone. I know. And if he, why can't you be happy about being somewhere else? Have you ever gone someplace and been like, not for me? Yeah. <laughs> it's not that Literally place's fault. Yeah, yeah. Most no. places. No. Nope. And guess what? Los Angeles blows hot ass. Hate it there. It's not yeah. anybody in Los Angeles's fault. The vibes are wrong and you can't walk that stupid city. I, no, I have, you know what I did? I left and now I'm back here in Jersey because I was only going to be there for like a week, you know, because that's the fun part about places you don't enjoy. You get to leave. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a big thing where everyone's like, ah, Clint Frazier, piece of shit. He was always hurt. How dare he be hurt? Suck his dick. Go find him. Blow him. Get this. It's just a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Fuck off. Oh, so uh, rooting for I, I like the acquisition for the Cubs. They're, they're probably not going to be good next season, but uh, if Clint mm-hmm. Frazier can stay healthy, then he's shown promise in the past, which is what kept him alive in the Yankee system for so long. So more power to the guy. Um, he had a 
150 OPS plus last season in 39 games, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, I don't but that sucks. Nah, that's pretty good. That's pretty, 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 pretty good. So more power to him in Chicago, but uh, yeah, man, it was time. That's just fucking. That's life. Yeah, I mean, you see it all the time. Guys get better when they go to other teams for 19 different reasons. It doesn't always work out. Yeah, so it happens for the Yankees all the time. Not always, but it happens to everybody. Look at a fucking fucking Nate. What's his name on the Red Sox? The pitcher, Nathan, uh, Nathan Evaldi. He wasn't shit on the Yankees. Now he's like a perennial top five Cy Young guy in Boston. Guess what? Who gives a fuck? Who yeah. cares? Life's yeah, goofy I mean, as look shit. Look at Blake Snell. Sometimes you acquire a guy, and he gets a lot worse. It happens, dude. I play in a slow pitch softball league, and we play on one of two fields that are um, in the same field, just on opposite corners. And the guys will talk about how they see the ball better on one field versus the other. And you know what? They fucking might. The fields, however, are less than 500 feet apart in the same park, lit by the same shit, and it is slow-pitch softball. Mm-hmm. You know what? Sometimes a change of scenery for no apparently good reason matters and means something, at least inside. <laughs> and it's ridiculous that you would think otherwise. Yeah, and, and, and that you know what? It's not just other guys. Me too. I feel like I hit better on one field versus the other. It's the same field. It's the exact same fucking field. I feel like I hit better on one side than the other. Yeah, that's just that's just fucking life. If you're complaining about this, you're just just a jackass who's never touched a sport. Yep. You're Darren Ravel on Twitter. Oh, is he bad? I don't really follow him. uh, I guess it's not fair to say for that. In like in that regard, he's just been a menace on Twitter lately. Well, I I hope he suffers for whatever reason he deserves to suffer. Um, all right. Well, uh, in other baseball news, we mentioned it at the tail end of last episode because it happened just as we started re- finished recording. Uh, the what's what's this called? The Veterans Committee. Jesus Christ, voted in players, voted in more players to the Hall of Fame, and now we have more players in the Hall of Fame. So let's yeah. uh. Let's tackle these guys, shall we, Corwin? Sure. So to start, we have uh, Tony Oliva, who was a right fielder, left-handed batter, accumulated 43 war in 15 seasons, all of which were for the Minnesota Twins. He was a rookie of the year winner. He led the league uh, in hits five times, doubles four times, batting average three times, slugging once, Total bases once. He was uh, eight-time All-Star, Gold Glove, three-time batting title. Uh, and let's see, finished the year, finished his career with under 2,000 hits. 1,917 wow. hits. Under 2,000 mm-hmm. hits. That's a very interesting precedent to set. Yeah. Jesus. Which, uh, you know, it's fine. I don't think the 2,000 hit threshold should matter as much going forward. 
uh, as we have left the era of spray hitting, mm-hmm. uh, at, at least that being like a main thing that the players come up getting told how to how to hit. You know, it's no longer about the just make contact, keep the 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 super level swing, or even have a you know something of a of a dead contact over everything else. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see with his under two thousand hits. Where uh, where other players coming up on the Hall of Fame ballot end up finishing. So we'll see. But uh, shout out to you, Tony Oliva. That seems like a good accomplishment. I don't know anything about. Do you know anything about Tony Oliva? Absolutely nothing. Cuban. This is this is a good Hall of Fame year for the Cubans. Sure. Oh, he's alive. Oh, that's great. Good for you, buddy. No, that's actually great. They they fucking never in- induct people who are actually still alive. All right. Way to go, Tony. O- now I'm extra happy. Way to go, Tony Oliva. <laughs> All right. Uh, next guy that got inducted. Let's skip ahead. Let's go to Jim Cat. Jim Cott. I never say it right. Sorry, sure. Jim. Jim Cott was a left-handed batter who accumulated 50.5 career uh, baseball reference war over the course of 25 seasons in MLB, Uh, 15 of them for the Minnesota twins, four for the Philadelphia Phillies, four for the St. Louis Cardinals, three for the Chicago White Sox and two for the New York Yankees. Um, He was a three-time all-star 16 time gold glove winner as a pitcher. And uh, when the 1982 World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals right there at the end of his career, his second to last season in baseball at the age of 43. He played from the age of 20 to 44, spanning 1959 to 1983. Jesus. And only ever received Cy Young votes in one season, finishing fourth in 1975 with the White Sox. Whoa. Yeah, he has more. MVP votes in his career than he does Cy Young votes, which is hilarious. Um, and just genuinely doesn't make any sense. So cool. Uh, and, you know, we had this conversation once in the past. I forget about which player about how maybe extreme longevity. Maybe it was Tommy John. We had this conversation about um, extreme longevity should mean something, even if maybe the results aren't there in terms of war. And, you know, we could talk about it because uh, like we always say, we don't know how teams view how value of, 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 of um, production or whatever. And clearly if you can kick around in the league for 25 seasons at the major league level, you had some pretty decent value. That's really hard mm-hmm. to do. Um, so even though Jim Cott, barely scraped together two war per season. Uh, fuck it. Fuck it. Happy to have him. I feel like my reaction to this is going to be the same for all these guys, but yeah, like, fuck it. Why not? Clearly you people know a lot more about this than I do. So I'm just going to kind of trust you on this one. Yeah. Yeah. They nailed it. Sure. Uh, that brings up next guy, a, a 
better known name, I would think, than some of the others. Gil Hodges, who was a manager of the Mets for a while. I think he died managing the Mets. I think the Mets killed Gil Hodges. Hold on. I'm looking it up. He died in West Palm Beach, Florida. That sounds suspiciously like Mets spring training. Hold on. Um, he, he was the manager of the Mets in the 69 World Series, one of the greatest upsets in sports, before his death from a sudden heart attack at age 47. Okay, hold on. How did he die? He died at a golf course in Florida with Mets coaches. Golf plays oh. another one. Ooh. Oh, he collapsed en route to his motel at the Ramada Inn across the street from Municipal Stadium, the spring training facility of the Braves and Expos. Yeah, uh, so I think I think this was during Mets spring training. So the yeah. Anyway, that's Gil Hodges. Um, for, so as a player, forty-four career WAR over the course of eighteen seasons, the vast majority of with which were with the Dodgers. Um, 16 years with the Dodgers and then two with the Mets. He was actually a member of both the Brooklyn Dodgers and the LA Dodgers, which means he had um, many seasons overlap with the late great Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. He was an eight time all-star two time world series winner and a three time gold glove. Never won an MVP, but received MVP votes in uh, let's see, like seven straight seasons. And then two additional seasons after that um, with, looks like four, three top, yeah, three top 10 finishes. Um, and he was a right-handed hitting first baseman and outfielder, and then went on to, once again, as I said, manage the Mets for a few years, including winning a um, World Series with the Mets, which uh, only only two two managers ever won a World Series with the Mets. So that, that seems like it matters. Agreed. The Mets don't have a lot to be thankful for, but they can be thankful for him. What do you think Gil, Gil Hodges' real first name is? It can't be Gil, right? Why not? Gilbert. Gilbert Raymond Hodges. Can you look up Gil Brandt? Not in baseball reference, just like in Google. Yeah, he's a football guess, guy? Yeah, I guess I could also do that because I'm he's an adult. 89 from Milwaukee. Uh, no, his his birth name is Gil Brandt. There we go. I'm not too crazy. I'm a little crazy. How do you name your Hell kid yeah. after fish parts? I just don't get that. No, they drop an L. Practically close. a whole different word. It's close enough. Sounds it sounds like fish bits. Uh, anyway. So next guy that 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 made the cut. So shout outs to you, Gil Hodges. Congratulations. You had the great upset of winning with the Mets in the World Series. Now another great upset of getting past the Veterans Committee. Uh, that brings us to Bud Fowler, who also made the cut. Bud Fowler, if you go to his baseball reference page, you'll notice there is nothing there. And that is because uh, Bud Fowler was a member of the uh Negro leagues for a, a while in the 1800s. He died in, at age 54 in 1913. Um, and he was one of the guys who actually uh, organized and managed clubs, baseball clubs 
um, for black players in this time. And so his contribution really is less of a player, although uh, one would think he is a, a player since I can't imagine there's too many guys who were just putting ball clubs together for fun. Even um, uh, Rube Foster played, you know, that's the man who founded the Negro leagues. Uh, but his main contribution is as a guy who helped spread the good word of baseball and actually put that, put together clubs. So shout outs to Bud Fowler. And that is uh, an interesting bit of history that I did not know prior to his election, because the, the history of the Negro leagues is, is deep and wide, but also can be at times difficult to have to uncover on your own. And so it is, it is always helpful to have these kind of guys brought to the forefront for you to help give you the tools to do some, some of your own digging and help spread the interesting and varied history of the game uh, in a much more accessible way. So shout outs to you, Bud yeah. Fowler. Yeah. Uh, I gotta say, I did not know much about the Negro leagues even as a baseball fan, even as, you know, just a person who's a sports fan and, and talks about sports a lot until we started doing this and you started raising, you know, awareness for it, you know, on the podcast, trying to, you know, spread it to other people, not just us, but also, Hey, I learned so much about it just from sitting here listening to you talk about it. Go Negro leagues. Yeah. Shit's amazing. So speaking of the Negro leagues, Minnie Minoso, also got yes. inducted. But real quick, I typed many into Google. Top three results. What what do, what do you think they were? Minnie Mouse. That was Minnie, number three. Okay. So M-I-N-N-I-E. Yeah. Minnie Mouse. Minnie. Fuck, two more that are more popular than Minnie Mouse. Now, these might be Google search suggestions customized to who I am as a person. Uh, but yes, Minnie Mouse was three. Because, I mean, Minnie Minosa definitely wasn't one of them, correct? He was. He was number two. Okay. So, so that's was... a recency and also probably a little catered toward Josh. Yeah. Okay. I, I have, have no idea what Google number one could be. Minnie Driver. Who? The actress. The, the British Driver. lady from Goodwill Hunting. What? Yeah. Yeah, that took me aback. I was like fucking mini driver. Oh my god. Why? I, like I remember seeing her name maybe 3 months ago, 2 months ago, 3 months ago and just being like I forgot that was her name. That's such a weird interesting name. You never see that and she's never really talked about. But I like I know her. She's a recognizable actress. And then completely forgot once again for two whole months until you just said that again. Yeah. And don't get me yeah, wrong. I don't know. She was a smoke show in Goodwill Hunting. That movie came out like over 20 years ago. Why is she more relevant than Mr. White Sox? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, getting to Mr. White Sox, uh, a.k.a. Minnie Minoso, a.k.a. the Cuban Comet. Uh, he has been long deserving of this. It is, again, I am so mad that we have waited six years after his death to do this. It's fucking pointless to have not done this while he was alive. It means a great deal to the Minoso family, great deal to Chicago, mm -hmm. a great deal to the baseball community, the Cuban community, the Afro-Latino community, all that. 
but it goddamn you could have done this shit fucking 20 years ago. Anyway, Minnie Minoso uh, was uh, worth uh, or accumulated, I should say, 53.8 war baseball reference war in his career. And he did so by playing uh, 20 major league seasons, 12 of which were with the Chicago White Sox, where he earned the, the nickname Mr. White Sox for being a incredibly dynamic member of the team while he was with Chicago. Uh, he led the league in uh, hits once doubles, once triples, twice stolen bases, twice caught stealings, six times uh, totals bases once and hit by pitch. He led all but one season when he was in Chicago, he led um, all of baseball and hit by pitches, a frequently targeted player for the hit by pitch. Uh, he oh. also played four seasons. Wonder if that's Cleveland. a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, real head scratcher. Who's to say? Uh, he played four seasons with Cleveland. He played uh, one with the Washington Senators, one with the St. Louis Cardinals, and then four seasons with the New York Cubans. I got my Cubans hat on for the show to commemorate Minnie, um, who was himself a Cuban-born player and was uh, a, one of the first, you know, dark-skinned Afro-Latino um, players to to make a, a, a big impact in the game and be very instantly recognizable. Um, he, you know, was one of the also the the big name carryovers from the Negro leagues. Um, you know, you had a lot of guys who ended up coming up uh, through the Negro Leagues kind of late into the into their existence and then transitioned straight into mm-hmm. MLB. And that one of those guys was Minnie, which is one of the reasons why maybe his career MLB numbers were slightly less than some of his um, his contemporaries. It, we're really not talking by a fucking lot like he he missed out on 2000 MLB hits, but fucking by so little, it, it seems worthless to even point out right he uh, he had uh let's see 1960 mlb hits but when you combine his negro league hits yeah he had over 2100 hits so you, you see where i'm going with this it, it's a lot of bullshit fucking stupid fucking bullshit that he he got left out of the the hall for this long because of the discounting of his negro league accomplishments and also being pinged for not having four extra seasons that he could have spent in MLB because he had to go through the Negro leagues. So, and then he was a fucking murderer when he got up. He was amazing. He was absolutely amazing. So, so happy for the Minoso family. Uh, Minis deserve this forever. It's so cool to see him. Minis one of those guys where when you learn about baseball, and you you like you watch a Ken Burns thing, or if you're just like researching old famous players, you find Minnie and you go to his baseball reference page and you go, wait, he's not in the Hall of Fame? How is he not in the Hall of Fame? Like it's mm-hmm. you. I remember once on this podcast, I forget what, what we were talking about, but I went to Minnie's page and I forgot he wasn't in the Hall of Fame and got annoyed live because I remembered that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame already because you just naturally assume he's already there. So it's nice that future generations of, of fans don't have to be annoyed at this too. Although they get to be annoyed at how long it took. So that's special too. But, uh, yeah. Suck it. Yeah. Shout outs to many. This is a cool one. I'm very happy about this one. 
I'd be too if I knew who he was before this. So now I just have to be normally excited. All right. Uh, and that brings us to the last guy I saved the the biggest name for last who who got in as a result of the veterans committee and that is a friend of the pod Buck O'Neill. Woo! Buck O'Neill who finally gets in. He was a longtime player and player manager for the uh, Kansas City Monarchs. He would then go on to become a uh, the first Major League Baseball first black MLB scout for the Cubs uh, and then the first MLB coach, I believe first black MLB coach. I think he was coach uh, for the, uh, for the Royals. And he ended up convincing the Cubs to draft some really good players like Ernie Banks, who's a hall of famer, Uh, like literally Mr. Cub. (laughs) And after his time spent on baseball diamonds and, and in stands as, as a scout, he would then go on to be the man who founded the Negro league baseball museum in Kansas city. Which is so fucking cool. It's ridiculously cool. And it's not like he started it with a lot of funding and, you know, like, like some Silicon Valley darling. If you look up early pictures of the museum, it looks like, a guy's office who was just really into baseball. It's a one room, small one room thing where mostly the appeal was Buck telling you stories about the Negro leagues because he wanted everybody to know that he played with some very, very fine ball players and he was a pretty fine ball player himself. And what they went through as a part of history and, and how their triumphs and success meant something, meant something to him. It meant something to, to African-American people at that time and today. And he was so proud of his work and did so, so voraciously that in 2006, as we talked about with Keith McPherson that I mentioned just the other day when we last recorded, he helped the Veterans Committee induct like 16 Negro League ballplayers who previously were not in the Hall of Fame to get them into the hall based on their accomplishments as, as, um, as told by Buck, as, as he as he helped the guide the Veterans Committee through some of the, the best players who didn't maybe have any MLB playtime, but had really significant careers in Negro Leagues. And after he did all of that work, and we're talking a man in like his 90s, on top of that, with a lifetime of uh, lifetime body of work behind him and career and accolades, accomplishments, they didn't induct him into the Hall of Fame. And it was disgusting. It was fucking disgusting. And I'm still mad about it. And I, I'm so happy for Buck because he deserves this. And I, I'm um, I'm sorry for Bob Kendrick, the current president of the Negro League Baseball Museum, because he is also a wonderful man and carries on mm-hmm. the legacy of Buck just so exceptionally well. He's such a wonderful person. Um, and also very responsive if you ever want to hit him up on social media. Um I've chatted with him on, on socials a couple of times. He's a very nice person, but very busy. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy for everybody who fought for this and, and, you know, kept the issue alive for the past 15 years. Uh, it shouldn't have fucking taken 15 years. It shouldn't have. It's a fucking travesty. It's a fucking disgrace. Um, but I am very happy for him. So a lot of mixed emotions. Agreed. Uh, but, uh, Congratulations to Buck. I'm just, I'm so fucking happy that when I look at his baseball reference page now, 
it includes the big gold banner that says Hall of Fame. It it's so well deserved. Love that. Uh, that brings us to the one player who did not get into the Hall of Fame, where people are scratching their heads once again, because again, we have a man who recently passed who should have been in the Hall of Fame already and did not get included. And that man is Dick Allen. Dick Allen, who has 58.7 career war, and we typically consider the threshold of Hall of Fame to be 60. So even in the traditional sense, where we're if we're being hard asses about it, he does not miss the he misses the mark by by the by a margin of error that's pretty fucking small. Mm-hmm. He won an MVP, Rookie of the Year, seven-time All-Star, played 15 seasons, nine of which with the Phillies, three in, in Chicago with the White Sox, one with the Dodgers, one with the Cardinals, and one with the A's. He amassed in that time uh, 1,848 career hits, which you might say, that's not enough hits. Fucking who cares? Suck my balls about hits. Who gives a shit about hits? He led the he led the uh, MLB in triples once. He led MLB in home runs twice, RBIs once, walks once, strikeouts twice, led an on-base percent twice, slugging percent three times, OPS four times, and OPS plus three times. Uh, he had, in addition to his one MVP win, another top five finish and received votes in four other seasons and was by all accounts a, a dangerous hitting uh, corner infielder and, and left fielder and makes absolutely no goddamn sense why he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Missed by yeah, a vote. I mean, you reading that vote. off, all of that is Hall of Fame. Like, that's just... You take a screenshot, you, you can't even recognize the numbers. You just see what's bolded. You see the, you know, kind of accolades that he's collected over his career. You look at his, you know, total numbers, his averages, anything you want. It doesn't matter what names above it. That's a Hall of Fame career. In 15 seasons, his career OPS in a, in a you know, in a, in a pretty hit uh, pitcher dominated era for most of this. His career OPS is 912 for a career OPS plus of 156 in 15 seasons. That's amazing. Here we go. Hold on. Hold on. I mean, he has a career OPS plus of 156. Yep. His career numbers would have been good for sixth in all of baseball this year. Oh, oh. Just and imagine averaging more... being the sixth best hitter in baseball, not even averaging, just being a top six hitter in baseball for 15 seasons and being like, he was good, but like, eh. Eh. I know if, if you take away the defense, because again, defense is, is very suspect and he has negative 16 D war to go with his um, 70 O war. I mean, we're talking again, takeaway defense and defensive adjustments. We're talking Mike Trout. I mean, Derek Jeter got in with his defense. This man had a had a had a OPS plus in 1972 of 199. He was double the average hitter. Double. God, that is just stupid. While leading the league in walks, RBIs, home runs, on-base percentage, slugging, and, of course, OPS. It's just fucking disgusting. That's about as dominant of an MVP season as you can get. Like, what more can you ask for? 
And he almost swiped 20 backs. He had 19 steals that year, too. Played 148 games, was never hurt, just powered through the season. Well, I guess probably a few games, but still, that's unheard of. It's not unheard of. It's a very good season, but you know you know the point I'm trying to make. Right. And it's is. not it's not a season you get every season. It happens, but it's not a season you get every season. It's without a doubt. And if, if someone does that today and they're not MVP, it's because of Shohei Otani. I mean, and he didn't exist back then. No. Man, it's um it's a shame because he was on the ballot in 2019, I believe. I think the Veterans Committee does it every other year. And he didn't make it, missed by one vote. And he he passed away in 2020. Mm-hmm. Here he is on the ballot again, and he misses by a vote again. And I don't know what the fuck you want. Like, I don't know what the fuck you want as a voter. Do you want 2,000 from- hits? Suck my balls. Sorry, go he's ahead. from Pittsburgh. What more do you want? What more do you want? Pittsburgh, I just, uh, kid. I just don't get it. Technically, my friend, he's from Wampum. Wampum, Pennsylvania. A suburb on the north side of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. His nickname is the Wampum Walloper. That's, that's just about as good as it gets, too. That's an 80-grade nickname. That That's amazing. The Wampum Walloper? How do you not put a plaque in Cooperstown nickname. with a man who goes by the Wampum Walloper? And has a mustache like that. Absolutely criminal. Baseball oh, is broken. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not. I'm way more upset about this than I am the lockout. That's really, oh, absolutely. That's really I'm supporting the lockout. Yeah, yeah. I do not support this, man. Uh, it, all right. So let's let's get off of baseball. Uh, congratulations again to the the inductees, their families, the people who lobbied for them. It's very cool to see players uh, from the veterans committee get in because they typically have been passed over previously. So it's nice to get them some recognition. All right, let's look at football where uh, the Monday night game happened a few days ago and boy, why did it need to happen? Did you, did you watch the game? No, I should have. I really wish I did, but I didn't. Would you have enjoyed it? For the gimmick, sure. I would have enjoyed it for the same reason I watched like fail compilations on YouTube. I just kind of want to see how long it can go of like just stupidity. Or not stupidity, that's a poor way of putting it. Just like how stubborn can Bill Belichick be in just committing to this? Like it worked. They won the game. It wasn't beautiful, but they won the game. I just wanted to, I would want to see how many times they could run the ball in a row. A lot is apparently the answer. Yeah. The answer was apparently a lot. Um, so basically, for anyone who missed it, I don't know how you did if you follow the NFL. The Patriots won a game in which their quarterback, Mac Jones, threw three, count them, three passes. Went two for three for 19 yards, a 12-yard completion, and a seven-yard completion. No touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks, an 84 passer rating. Uh, and his counterpart on the other side of the ball had a significantly worse day. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, I say it's not like it was catastrophic, but mm-hmm. by comparison, uh, went 15 for 30. It's a 50% completion percent, 145 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, two sacks, 
and a quarterback rating of 75. So about 10 points worse than our man, Mac Jones. Uh, You'd have to imagine. Sorry, go ahead. To paint a picture of the weather conditions, I watched a video of the pregame warmups where the kicker was practicing extra points. So what would amount to a 30, 35 yard field goal. Um, and he kicked it directly into the wind and the ball didn't make it within five yards of the goalpost before it was pushed back so much by the wind that it just landed in the field, just not even in the end zone, just like was pushed back into like the five, 10 yard line, which is unfucking real. And it was wind and rain, you know, it not, not yes. just the gusts of wind. It was pouring apparently as well for at least parts of it. I, I it's tough to tell on the TV sometimes for me, but you got So you got to imagine that's probably the reason Belichick did what he did and had the play calling what, what he, what he called it. He's very big on ball security and what can be more insecure than the fucking weather. Uh, tough to control that if you're not a part of the tribe. So, uh, he, I guess, went with the, you know, the ground and pound, which especially if you're winning and you don't have to make up yardage as I mean, the Patriots were they uh, let me double check, but I'm pretty sure they scored first. So. Let's see. Yeah. Yes, they scored first. Yeah, I'm not wrong. That's, that's all you need right there. Uh, yeah, they they led the entire game then and never needed to make up any yardage by going for riskier plays. They and, had... Oh, sorry. And one of the the uh, touchdowns for the Bills came on a turnover on a kick at like the 20 yard line. It bounced off the helmet of um, Nikhil Harry. They recovered on, you know, essentially in the red zone, scored on the next play a one play drive where they scored a touchdown and that was their only touchdown of the day correct yeah yeah that that um it was literally a five second possession mm-hmm. they ran one play started on the new england 14 had a 14 yard play and got a touchdown for a total of sure. five seconds hey Sometimes that's enough. This clearly wasn't. You got to You got to It's fucking annoying as shit, especially if you're a Jets fan, yeah. because you have looked at your team suffer for 20 years at the hands of this fucking team. And you've said to yourself, as I've said to myself many times, just need to get a quarterback. Just need to get a quarterback. And and when you lose games because the quarterback has a mediocre game, like we've lost games this season because Zach Wilson's had a mediocre, not a bad game, a mediocre game. You go to yourself, oh, if he had a a good game, we'd have won. We were one good quarterback game away from winning a game. A game. Belichick went out there and had his quarterback fucking just hand the ball off. Do nothing. He could have run. He essentially could have run the wildcat all game and gotten about the same effect and won. It's mind blowing and infuriating. And this makes it the Patriots. I don't know if you realized this. 
makes it the Patriots' seventh straight win. Mm-hmm. So it's ridiculous. We, we wrote them off six weeks into the season because that felt fair when they were two and four and didn't seem like they were going anywhere. And the Bills were supposed to be the powerhouse that we have kind of acclimated to them being over the past two or so seasons. Six I think weeks they were the just year. so stunned by losing to the Steelers week one that they just mentally could not recover. <sighs> Pittsburgh Steelers uh, destroyer of worlds. Just just fucking the it's the AFC worst stuff. like it's the worst team to watch because even when they beat the Bills, even when they beat the Ravens, even when they beat these like good teams and it's just a you win against good teams. Like, it's like, oh, we should be better. It's like, no, like, these are some of the worst games to watch in the NFL. Granted, like, I understand rooting for the Jets fucking sucks. Limited hope, limited expectations. But I, I don't know. I don't guess I no, have a point. I push back on that. If you're a Jets fan yeah. and you've been a Jets fan for 20 years, you have unlimited yeah. hope. Expectations limited, sure, but that well of hope has never run dry. Because you have to have that in order to be a Jets fan. Only thing that pops out of Pandora's box of stupid ass fucking football teams is is that little fairy of hope. But man, it's just fucking stupid that in a season where you go, oh, finally, I don't care to see the Bills succeed, but the Patriots get to be irrelevant like two years in a row. It's amazing. It's amazing. And they're going to system quarterback their way to another dynasty. And it's fucking infuriating. And for people who, 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 and this is also a good segue into the system quarterback thing, because this was Tom Brady for a while. Obviously not to this extreme degree, but this was Brady for a long time before he really became Brady. Like that's part of the, the, the shit of it too, is like for so much of his career, it felt like he was the check down guy, never asked to do anything. Handoffs in key moments where the, where the O-line and the running backs came up big. And everyone just did their fucking job as annoyingly well as they possibly could. And this is, it's happening again. It's happening again. When will mediocre white men stop being good quarterbacks for the Patriots? It's fucking infuriating. Just watch as he grows up to marry some weird looking billionaire uh, model and just lives until, plays until he's 56 and weirdly gets good when he's like 37. Yeah, I, I, it, I hate it. Is there anything worse than Bill Belichick getting a dad bod, just pudgy white quarterback from a prestigious blue blood that by all means is just a, a not inspiring, just whatever quarterback that he just molds into perfection? How is he able to do this? Dude, please go look up Mac Jones on Wikipedia and look at his uh, the picture they have on Wikipedia and tell me that is not perfectly representative of the peak of average white male existence. (laughs) (laughs) They caught this man like mid sentence and that sentence was not about to be enlightening. I, I just could not fathom what that picture would be other than just like a snapshot from like him in his uniform or or like him in Alabama. But holy shit. I'm sorry. If you put a from? high chart behind him, I would just assume that was a fucking mugshot. 
Yeah. I have you seen the picture of him like after the national championship game, like shirt off in the locker room? I don't think so. Oh, from Jacksonville. Just, oh, he looks like Jacksonville. Just look up Mac Jones locker room on Google and you'll just see Tom Brady. First picture. The Tom Brady. Uh, and the oh, combine. I have seen this picture. Yeah, it's uh, hard not to have seen this picture, but like it's just quintessential Bill Belichick quarterback. I, I'm sending you another picture of him that makes me I don't know why, but it really makes me think of Eli. Like, um, honestly, I just we're shitting on a guy who is so infinitely more successful, wealthy and talented than we are. But my goodness, like you have to right? like you have. To. <sighs> well, it's the infuriating part about the system, man, is because it works. It's so fucking bullshit to see the system work. If you're a Jets fan, a Browns fan, fucking uh, Jacksonville fan. Uh, even a Ravens fan for a significant, relatively significant period of time where you were just kind of suffering with Flacco. Like it's, it's painful to watch a, a random dude walk into a, a, a coaching situation and be successful and that literally being all it takes. It, it's wild that one guy, and I know he has a coaching staff. I understand it. Who cares? Fuck those people. One guy can put together a system of beliefs and plays that can lead to any random collection of fucking weirdos being the best football team uh, in the NFL. Like the Patriots aren't just having a decent season anymore. They're the one seed in the AFC. That's where we are. The Patriots have a better record than the Baltimore Ravens at eight and four, the Tennessee Titans at eight and four, and the Kansas City Chiefs at eight and four. They had the second best record in the NFL. It's fucking. I just. Bill Belichick, man. Remember when the whole debate when Tom Brady left was, you know, we're finally going to find out was it Belichick or was it Brady? And then Brady goes and wins the Super Bowl and Cam Newton goes to the Patriots. And it's just like, oh, it was clearly Brady. Like Everyone thought otherwise, but shit, here it is. And now we're realizing, no, it was both. It was just both. Brady's not a system quarterback and Belichick didn't just rest on the laurels of Tom Brady. Like they were just both the best of all time. It was the worst type of symbiosis. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like. Literally the best quarterback and best coach of all time just happened to find each other and fucking murder 31 other teams for two decades. And now there's a non-insignificant chance that the Patriots meet the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. And let me tell you, folks, if that happens, I'm going to cut off a limb. I I won't watch. I can't watch. At least with when the Eagles played the Super Bowl, I was like, look, I fucking hate the Eagles, but I can root for them because at the end of the day, my hatred of them is just for me. It's not like I'm a Giants fan. Um, I can't root for this. I can't. I can't. Root. 
I'm what I'm going to root for the Patriots. Fucking no. I'm going to root for Tom Brady. Fucking no. I just have to claw my fucking eyes out. And again, the infuriating part about it at this point is that we can't fucking do it. No one else can do it. No mm-hmm. one else. Can, even even the, the fucking Bills, who had a really good time making Josh Allen so much better than I think most of us had predicted he likely would be. They still have a worse record than the Patriots by two entire games because it's hard to do that. And the Patriots, with way less talent on the roster, are like just doing it. It's so annoying to see someone succeed by seemingly just doing it. It makes me enjoy football less knowing that the outcome doesn't matter. Any individual game in the regular season doesn't fucking matter at all. Because it's just going to be the same two motherfuckers in the playoffs in the Super Bowl every time. (sighs) The NFL gives me more existential dread than joy in any given week. Any given Sunday is less about whether or not my team wins and more about will my sanity hold up for another seven days. Yeah, I mean, there are weeks where it's just like, ah, it's Sunday. I'm waking up. I'm relaxed. Get some coffee. Get some eggs in me. I'm going to have a good day. Not going to touch the NFL. Just not turning the TV on. Don't care. Just I'm going to just pretend I'm going to look at the scores tomorrow and be like, oh, neat. Oh, here's all these highlights. Let's see how the day went and just not have to go through it. Seeing the next day that Mac Jones won a game with three passes was not a cool, nifty, quirky, fun fact for me. I was furious. I was furious on my commute to work. Furious. Why are you the way you are? You you don't get to do this. You don't get to be able to just do this. Like you, Bill Belichick. People on the morning radio were like, oh, wow, can you believe a quarterback won a game? I was like, yes, I fucking can. Yes, I fucking can. Shut the fuck up. Wow, did Bill Belichick trade for, you know, the best O-lineman in the NFL and, you know, trade for Derrick Henry and just build this juggernaut? It's like, no, you get a third and fourth round pick behind a pretty decent offensive line, but you're just going to run it up the middle every time. Yeah, no, we we've con- we've like made a consensus and decided that Bill Belichick's drafts have kind of sucked ass for like a decade, but he's just so good at coaching that it kind of doesn't even matter. So who cares? Like, like it's the it's the genius kid in class that just doesn't study ever and like doesn't pay attention in class and it's just like I'm just good enough at taking tests where I I'm just gonna wing it. I don't I don't care. God, I hate it. I hate it so much. Like. Eventually, one day, my kids are going to ask me, like, what what was it like growing up with the Patriots? And I'm going to tell them, shut the fuck up. Like, leave, leave me alone, you fucking idiots. Like, I, I don't have time for this. Go go learn a book. I, I, I can't. Go learn a book. Go learn a book, kids. Why not? Go learn. A, leave that alone. I don't. I, this is it's, it's like I was in the shit. All right. This is Vietnam. This is the shit. We're, we're not asking about that. Leave that shit, but leave that shit in in, in in Saigon. Don't bring it here. I don't want it. I just I love that your equivalent of watching the Patriots and thinking about the Patriots is your equivalent of like Vietnam flashbacks. Yes, because much like Vietnam, I'm doing it to myself. 
There is no real enemy. <laughs> I've made it all up. <laughs> oh my god. We've said some truly awful things on this show. That that's top five. <laughs> The real threat of communism was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, everything's Jesus. awful. I am yeah. the Lorax, king of the trees. And for some fucking reason, they're speaking Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too good. Just uh, a little little insight. Um, whenever Dan and I were in college and, and playing Call of Duty... And just getting really high on the weekend, we would just say that back and forth to each other while just like crouching through like the jungles of whatever video game we were playing, laughing our asses, laughing our asses off. And we just thought it was the funniest joke ever told. Yeah. It's it's a fucking good one. It is yeah. very it, it it if Susical got dark, it's exactly where we where we would be. Yador Susel. Yeah. He did get dark just in his personal life. Yeah. Um, I, I have nothing else created to say. Everything else about the no. NFL hurts my feelings. I was going to do a, a corn. And I talked about doing a little comparison of, of Zach Wilson and, and uh, uh, the other guy, Trevor Lawrence. Um, but we've been going for a while, so we'll save that for later. Now that we'll have any yeah. fucking MLB news to talk about. Dude. I just wait. Yeah. It's not like the Jags or the other team that that guy plays for. The Jets. The Jets. The one team we just talked about are going to get any better anytime soon. Yep. We'll talk about it next episode. Stakes and are there low. won't be any difference. <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, all right. Geez. Well, if you want to follow the show on uh, on Twitter, you can do so at Juice and Pod. If you'd like to follow Corwin. On Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at uh, juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.